everybody! We're here with another episode of Game Pass Grab Bag, a weekly podcast reviewing games from the Game Pass Collection, bringing you three unique perspectives from varying skill range. As you'll notice, I am not your normal host, but for this week, I will be your author. And... Do I say my name here? I think I say my name here. Yeah, I'm going to be your author for this episode, Keith. And with us still is our publisher, Andrew. Hello, everyone. And last but not least, our Hooked on Phonics specialist, Liz. (laughs) So rude. Hey, guys. (laughs) So this week we are talking about Liz's pick, which is ukulele. It was my pick? Uh, It was your pick. Okay. Oh, man, this is going to be a good episode. You guys are going to No, I remember now because Andrew said, oh, I think you'll like this game. And I I remember when I started uh, playing it, I was like... Does he think I'm stupid? Because it starts off so like a kid game, like super easy. And I'm just like, what does he think about me? <laughs> so by now, you're probably not wondering, why is Keith hosting this episode? Well, if you've listened to our last episode, as you probably should have at this point. <laughs> no, I'm actually not being punished. This is my, my, <laughs> no, I said my we're reward. Being oh, jeez. <laughs> wow. You guys are so rude. I, I beat Andrew in Gamer Score for the month of October. So this is my reward. Good job, Keith. Hey, well, pause. well hey, this time I get to take your job, and that's just drink beer and yell at Liz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you do that every day. It doesn't count. So, yeah, if you are interested, I'm going to throw this out early because Andrew never does. We have our Xbox Club, which is GPGB Pals. So if you want to come and try and beat Andrew, you can join our club and compete along with us. You'll probably beat me most months. I just had a really good one. But try and beat Andrew. And who knows? Maybe (laughs) I'll. You're in there, Liz, and you're an admin. (laughs) But, anyways, (laughs) join our club and maybe I'll work out uh, some sort of a reward if uh, someone beats Andrew. Because I like to see Andrew lose. Yeah, you'll get to host this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) If it gets rid of you, then thank God. But, anyways. (laughs) Let's jump into the game. Uh, We are talking about Ukulele. So this game is developed by Playtonics and produced by Team 17. Playtonics, which some of you may not know, is actually a... uh, How would you say it, Andrew? It's like a regathering of a bunch of old Rare employees that worked on the Banjo-Kazooie games. So kind of the whole story behind this, I don't know if you actually researched this game, Keith... So I did, but you can explain it better. I know that. So I'm going to give you this part. If you guys can't really tell by the title, it's supposed to be a spiritual successor to their original game, Banjo-Kazooie, because they apparently love to go with the uh, instrument name. So I can't wait for the sequel, Tuba Saxophone. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so this game came from original um, a bunch of original developers uh, from Banjo-Kazooie. But when they end up leaving Rare, they still kind of wanted to make another type of game like this but obviously they couldn't do banjo kazooie because that's owned by rare so they first started to make this game but then it went into hiatus and so they actually ended up getting picked up by team 17 as a developer and they formed platonics or they joined platonics and they actually ended up going to kickstarter and this game was crowdfunded which you'll notice if you beat the game there is a ton of names from backers this game was like one of the fastest games to reach a million dollars for backers so yeah it's supposed to be a spiritual successor Spiritual successor to Banjo Kazooie. <laughs> You're struggling and, with that uh, word. Nice. So how old so is that this being game? S- Sorry. Hmm? No, this game is 2017, I believe. Oh, or okay. 2018. So it's new. Yeah. Well, 
It is. It actually, I think, took them a couple years to develop. Uh, as Andrew mentioned, I, it was kickstarted very, very quickly, but I think it took them like three or four years to actually put out the game. But that being said, it's it's a third-person 3D platformer, but it's very open world with a little bit of Metroidvania st- style of game, I would say. Um, you play as a lizard named as Yuka with your partner, Lely, the bat. And yeah, you traverse like a 3D open world with all of your special skills that you acquire along the way, collecting large collectibles as you do in these games. I've played, so I never really played Banjo-Kazooie, but what I did play was Mario 64, and it was definitely very reminiscent of that. I don't know if you would agree, Andrew. Oh, I oh, yeah. missed that game. That was such a good game. So yeah, you have your you have your quills, which would be, I suppose, your coins or your currency that you use along the way. You have the pages, which in a Mario world would be your stars. The, and with the same type of currency, you actually use it to expand and, you know, uh, grow your world to further your adventures. So you you play as the two main characters throughout the world. You meet lots of very interesting characters. This game, interestingly enough, well rated E. Not always very rated E. Yeah, as we'll talk a about lot later. of sexual innuendos. <laughs> yeah, so spoiler alert on that. We'll get there. But all in all, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Um, Andrew, what would you say as far as a game or a pass? Or Liz, you start because it's your game, you think. I'm going to give it a game. I feel like when I first started playing it, it was a little bit too easy, and then I really liked it, and then it kind of went downhill, but I'm still going to give it a game. Yeah, for me, I think this is a game, too. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of Banjo-Kazooie. Like, those games are in Game Pass, and honestly, those games still hold up, even though they're pretty old. There's some flaws to this game, but overall, it's it felt pretty good. I liked it a lot. I'll give it a game. And I'm going to give it a third game on that. This game actually... Although I will say separately from you, Liz, it actually grew on me more and more more as I played it. But yeah, I definitely think this is a game. I think for me, it made me want to play the old 64 game or even we have uh, Mario Odyssey on the Switch. And it makes me want to play those games. I think that for me, the first three levels were a lot of fun. And then the fourth and fifth, I just didn't really get into. So for me, that's why it kind of went downhill. Yeah, so I guess getting into the storyline of it then, it's, so as I mentioned, you play, you know, the the lizard, Yuka, and the bat lately, you know, two best friends, I guess, is, is how I would describe them. I don't know. They're yeah. Just an odd pairing of, of animals. <laughs> <laughs> they are very sassy best friends. But it, so I I actually missed the opening sequence, Andrew. You're going to have to Did describe you really? this for me. <laughs> So I got up to get a drink, and then I got sidetracked, and I just heard a bunch of noises happening. So I thought it was just repeating itself, and I could come back and hit A. And then I came back and realized it was a video sequence. <laughs> it happens. So. <laughs> well, the story, I think, is generally kind of awful in this game. Like, the other... So since it's supposed to be kind of like a spiritual successor to Banjo-Kazooie, the story to Banjo-Kazooie actually, like, kind of made sense. It was very much a witch is kidnapping your sister and she wants to steal her youth. So you're trying to save your sister. Like that is a noble act. In this game, it's Yuka, Yuka and Laylee have a book that they want to sell for money because they think it's valuable because it's gold pages. But apparently it's a magical book that you can rewrite history of all the pages. And so the boss is absorbing all the books because books are for nerds. And so he hates books. 
I don't know. So that, he's dumb, is what you're saying? I don't know. That's like literally kind of the plot. It's just kind of like, let's gather all the books so I can find this one book and end up, it ends up destroying the book and the pages go everywhere. And so you got to click the pages. Like that is the extent of the story. And it's just like, and so your characters are just collecting these pages because they think they're valuable. Like, it's not like you're trying to fight this boss because you think he's evil. You just want your book back. And it, I don't know. I thought the story was kind of lame. And the two main characters really aren't that nice, I feel like. So, I mean, like... I was more the you... bad who was the sassy one, which yeah. oh, it wasn't Banjo-Kazooie. The, the, the bird was always the sassy one. I never played it. See, I didn't either. But they were definitely... It was always funny. Yeah, all the dialogue definitely seemed to center around, like, how they could always cash in an extra buck. But what's funny to me is, again, I knew nothing about the first part of that. But I definitely, A, picked up on they were always trying to cash in on a buck. And second of all... I never really cared to find out why. <laughs> All I knew was collect quills, collect pages, something to do with a book. Uh, bad guy is a bee. And that's basically it. Yeah, but that was that was the extent of the story for me. My biggest issue with like the biggest plot hole of this game is so they're trying to do it to get money. Yet there's numerous times throughout this game where your characters are passing up money. Like you're helping Shovel Knight collect jewels and you find this massive jewel and you give him the jewel to get a pagey. It's like, why would you just take the jewel? Or there's another time you open up a vault and it's full of gold, but you only want the pagey. It's like, if they want money, why don't they just take the money? So it was kind of a plot hole. I will say I kind of get the vibe that they just, they aren't that bright a character. That's true too. <laughs> it seems like they're just kind of dumb. And yeah, they get obsessed with this book, I guess, and that's all they want. But yeah, otherwise, there really wasn't much of a story. All of your side missions are very just one-off things. Nothing really ties into it, I don't think, other than you get a pagey. Yeah, and like there wasn't any interesting story with any of the side characters either. Like, did you know the Cloud Nimbo? Apparently his wife left him. Like, yeah. that's apparently a, a side element. Because it's in the tips when you're loading. It's like, Nimbo's wife left him. And it's like, well, that might be an interesting story, but nope. <laughs> well. No, I actually you I actually met him and I think I was tell, asking you about him, but I did meet him. He's he's kind of an interesting character. Like I I think all Would of you the have characters left him are very, his wife? <laughs> Wow. I, mean, I don't know. I think if I remember, I think she left him for like a monsoon. So Whoa. he's just a cloud. So I, I can't say I blame her. But it's <laughs> at the same time go for something better out there. Yeah. Ultimately, though, I thought the side characters were very interesting, but they were very irrelevant, is I guess what I thought. And you run into the same characters over and over again in the levels, and there's, like, Dr. Puzz, or... Dr. Puzz was my least favorite character. And she transforms you in every single level, so you keep running into her over and over again. Same with Kartos and Rextro and all those characters. Kartos I loved because of the reference. When you first meet him, they call him Kartos, God of War. And I actually thought that was actually pretty clever. But his character I thought was okay. Dr. Puzz I specifically hated because she's clearly meant to be the character that replaces Mumbo from Banjo-Kazooie. I guess you guys have no idea what I'm talking about because you guys have played Banjo-Kazooie. Yeah. But Mumbo was a witch doctor that you would bring a witch token to him and he would transform you into an animal. Like, And you would, of course, like solve puzzles as the animal. So instead of Mumbo, they replaced him with Dr. Puzz. And Dr. Puzz is just not interesting. Mumbo was funny. Dr. Puzz is just annoying. I will say one thing that I really liked about this game is the moves and the controls. Because last week we talked about Bomber Crew and I couldn't, the controls just went over my head. In this game, I just instinctively was doing the moves. So there are some that like you hold right trigger, press a button, hold left trigger, press a button. 
And you use the quills to buy these moves, and sometimes you get free ones. And I felt like it was a lot more intuitive. Like, it just, it made sense to me. And so I thought that the gameplay was so much more fun. Like, I really enjoyed moving around, doing different things, and I just thought it was really easy. That brings us, I guess, to gameplay, Liz, now that you mention it. It's funny because I didn't really like the controls in it. I do know what you mean. I think they were very easy, but... I think it was more the camera that I didn't like. It just, uh, yeah, I emphasize but a little too hard. That's <laughs> how <laughs> so you laugh at me. But. <laughs> I don't know but. why I was laughing, but that wasn't it. Because you're on your second glass of wine, that's why. But, yeah, I think the worst part that, that I had with the controls was the camera, which was pretty much god-awful. And, and I think that's a, a universal sentiment that I could tell about the game. I don't know what you guys thought about that. I completely agree. And they give you this feature, I think it's left bumper, where you can use it to look around. But there's so many places that you can't use it. You can't look around your environment. You can't see like what's right ahead of you. So I just thought it was kind of useless. But even when you're... Even at the end, when you get the ability to fly, which is absolutely incredible, it makes the game a thousand times more easy. I felt like you couldn't really look around while you were doing it and it would kind of just spin you around. And I thought that was the worst mechanic. I, For me, I I can see where you guys are kind of complaining a little bit about the camera, but as me who's played these games and grew up with these kind of games, I know how to work the camera. So I understand there was a, a, a handful of times. It? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> there was a handful of times where I'm just like, stupid camera, like turn for me. Like, but I would still know where a platform was. It would just be kind of annoying. So I at least still kind of knew how to work with it, but uh, it didn't bother me too much. What I did find out myself, I don't know if you guys saw this, is in the options, is you can actually change the camera. So it's, I think, fixed versus manual. In manual, at least for me, I sure it's not pronounced so manual. much. It might be. I don't know. I can't confirm. I don't have it in front of me now that I think about it. But yeah, I I found that camera style to be way better. So, again, I don't know if you guys found that, but I did. So, hot tip from me. I saw it, but... Go I, look in the options. I was afraid to mess around with the controls, because when I first started playing this, Andrew wasn't here. And at the beginning, I didn't think it was that bad, and then I kind of forgot about it. But, yeah, it reminded me in, like, Just Cause 4, how it would, like, do the opposite of what you wanted to. Which, obviously, like, this is completely different, but it just reminded me of the, that frustration that we had with that game. Wait, was yours inverted to start again? With this game, no, but it just yeah. reminded me of oh, the I feeling that, that I had with Just Cause 4 where I wanted to switch the way that you aimed, but it was that kind of frustration, but yeah, I forgot about it because Andrew wasn't here to help me. So Why were you fault. at work? Yeah, so it's my fault. <laughs> what did you think? Or you said you were fine with the camera. Yeah. Was Andrew. But yeah, uh, did you did you play with the manual? No, I never well, touched it because like I said, for me, like I, I could just kind of deal with the camera. It never bothered me too much. Because, like, it at least never happened in too much of critical moments. Like, the big times would probably annoy me if it was, like, during a boss fight. But luckily, there wasn't any issues with that. So I never felt like I was on the edge of my seat and I was fighting the camera more than I was fighting the boss. So it wasn't – it didn't frustrate me that bad. I also thought it was weird that there were times where, for instance, I was talking to – I guess you would call her a lady that gives you the tonics. You unlock them. But sometimes yeah, I'd be talking to her. Yeah, she's Wow. She's a refrigerator. No, she's a refrigerator. <laughs> anyway, uh, that makes more sense. I'd be talking to her, and the camera would shift so that you're like right in front of her. 
And then it would pan out and I'd immediately get attacked. And I was like, first of all, why is it attacking me when you have like a cut scene? And then also, like, why wouldn't you warn me and just keep it the way that it is? I thought that was really weird. Yeah, and that's and I think that's one of the issues with the camera, to be honest. That's why I actually ended up changing mine to manual, which still I think I had some of that, but it, honestly, I don't know. It felt more natural. It felt more like a I think a modern day video game, and I think that's why I liked it. But um, one of the things I also liked, and I feel like Liz, you also must have liked this, is there's really not a lot of penalty for dying in this game. Yeah, I was gonna if say if you that. die. You kind of just start frack from where you were, and mostly none of the challenges are long enough that you actually get too penalized on time either. Yeah. I th- the thing I did like about this is <laughs> uh, I point. didn't know if you were like going. I was just first kind of. <laughs> no, I was trying to leave for you guys. Yeah, I mean that's like that's where I kind of like agree with Liz at the beginning where she's like, oh, I couldn't figure out if this was like a kids game. I think this game does a good balance between like kids and casual players to like more hardcore people because that's kind of how mario does it too there's some challenges that are just crazy easy then you got some that are actually kind of pretty difficult like you were struggling with a couple of them liz but for the most part a lot of the time sensitive ones were pretty forgiving i could end a lot of time ones with like 30 seconds to spare you on the other (laughs) hand liz you have a gift (laughs) i feel like every week we always talk about how like liz gracefully stumbles through this game and you definitely did with this game too. Every single time I ended a timed mission, it was at zero or one second left. Like every time, every it was crazy. Time. And it would <laughs> that make is me so impressive. So anxious, especially if it's something. I'm that... anxious thinking about it. <laughs> like I would be watching her in the other room, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, is she gonna get it? Is she gonna get it? And it was like one second. It's like what? <laughs> there was one where I was falling really slowly, and I was like, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up! And she looked over and was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> oh that was frustrating yeah there was at least a couple of them that i know i screwed up on and i still had like 10 seconds left to spare so i was like yeah this is this is pretty nice but for the most part like the challenges though are yeah pretty forgiving because it was actually kind of a benefit to die because if you died you generally started right at that room and then you would have full health so sometimes i'd enter a room or a boss fight i have one health and it's just like well i should just die so i can have full I, health again i did that a lot <laughs> well you didn't do it intentionally no, I did. There are some times where I was like, oh, I only have two butterflies left and a boss is coming up. I think I'm just going to jump in that like acid lake, you know. So the last thing I thought was really cool about this game, and it, especially because I was reading an interview with the developers of the game, and this is something they intentionally put in, is they made this game much more open world than the previous types of games like a Mario and actually, I feel like Mario was maybe closer to this than, than Banjo-Kazooie. But yeah, they, they intentionally made it not linear. So you can actually kind of jump ahead in this game, which, Andrew, you got a good tip on this. Yeah, so if you are planning to play this game, my tip for you is to try to get to World 5 as quick as possible. So if you can just open the worlds, once you get to World 4, you have to at least collect one pagey. And once you do that, between level 4 and 5, you get the ability to fly. It's not even like kind of flying. You get the ability to fly and it is fantastic. It makes so many challenges super easy because a lot of these challenges obviously are platforming. So you got to jump on certain platformers or beat certain times. But if you have the ability to fly, you just fly over everything and then you're done. It's super easy. Which I will say it does affect your energy bar, which I didn't realize But not at by first. much, which I thought was crazy. Yeah, but I was really up high when I figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> Side note, fall damage is a thing. 
Which at so. first, it, like, I didn't notice it because I fell from like pretty high up from the beginning, and then nothing ever happened. And then I was up super, super, super high, <laughs> and I fell, and then I figured it out. <laughs> side side note: <laughs> the game is very forgiving on yeah. fall damage, but it does. <laughs> Well, the nice thing, too, about this game, we were kind of talking about the refrigerator lady, but there's certain kind of in-game challenges you do, and when you do, you get these little perks you can pick. You can only have one active, but the perks kind of change a little bit of what you can do, and I don't know if you noticed, but one of the perks was to receive no fall damage. I didn't get that one, but can I just say how frustrating it is that you earn those tonics, and you can't use them all at once? Like, there was one that alerted you if there was something special nearby like a health extender things like that which i did eventually find by the way you're making fun of me because i went through like the whole game without any health extenders i ended up <laughs> finding two at the very end before the podcast but i there's also one that you could collect quills with your tongue so that you can eat butterflies to add to your health and you can use it to get that as well but yeah i was just like i earned these why can't i use them all at once i thought that was silly yeah the tonics were they're a nice little modifier, but I get what you mean. I I think it would be cool if there was a game mode after you beat it, and maybe there is, because I, I unfortunately didn't get through the game. But it'd be cool if there was some sort of a modifier that lets you have multiple tonics, I guess. And there were some that became useless. Like, I got one after I got the ability to make a bubble when you're in water so that you can breathe underwater and you don't have to worry about your oxygen level. The ability was to make it so that you could breathe underwater longer and it's like i have this bubble now it's completely useless so for me it's like i don't understand some of them like i thought they were kind of stupid i guess maybe that's the reason that you can only equip one at a time too i guess ultimately is that a lot of them you just end up not needing well and i mean it's it's kind of unfortunate though like i agree with you Liz. i wish you could equip more than one because when you beat the game you get a couple like you get one that extends your energy bar by a lot but then there's also another tonic you get called helium as you could probably guess, everyone's voices are super high. But that's all it does. It just makes everyone's voices high and squeaky. And it's like, oh, that's comical, but it doesn't help me at all. Like, I'd rather use a tonic that actually gives me some sort of benefit. Like, I'd rather go for that tonic that makes my energy bar super large instead of just having everyone's squeaky voices. Which, kind of off topic, like, I just heard you like, talking about how um, the voices went up. It reminded me that... It was so annoying when you were trying to beat something and you kept failing and you had to go through all the dialogue. Yeah. That was the most frustrating thing. And I was just like hitting why, why, why. But there's no way to skip it. And it was like that with everything. Like if you failed something once, you had to go through the whole dialogue again. And if you fail like five times, it's just, I thought that was No, I agree. It was a little (laughs) noxious. Yeah, so... To Liz's point, the dialogue in this game, and I think you confirmed or you told me, Andrew, that this is just like Banjo-Kazooie. Yep. All the noises are basically Charlie Brown noises or Charlie Brown voices. I don't know if our listeners, it's a reference that makes or sense. Or Graveyard Keeper <laughs> noises. Ugh. Because they did the same thing wow. in Graveyard Keeper. Graveyard Keeper did it better. So I get what they were going for, but gosh almighty, does it get annoying as heck. I do appreciate that they they moved or between characters it was different but it was mostly annoying the voices didn't annoy me too much because like i said i grew up with banjo kazooie so it's clearly just very reminiscent of what they did with banjo kazooie but some of them i liked i was like ah, this is actually kind of a funny noise like i hated yuka's voice but i loved trousers voice which i think it's funny that that character exists (laughs) because i 
It's the first big sexual innuendo in this game. I know what you're going to say. And it's a snake in it pants. Is a snake What's weird about that? I don't get it. In trousers. His name is Trousers, and he is a snake. He is literally a trouser snake. And when I brought this up to Liz, Liz did not get it. <laughs> I don't. I don't get what's weird about it, Andrew. It's <laughs> it's it's a snake in pants. He is literally a trouser snake. <laughs> oh, because he doesn't have legs. Listen, I, I got it eventually. It just took me a second. I don't look for innuendo everywhere. Okay. Well, I don't either. <laughs> I just accept literally... people's name. If someone's named Trouser, I don't second guess it. But when it slaps <laughs> you in the face. <laughs> but I mean, you at least got the sexual innuendos right when you became the plant. You at least got that part right. <laughs> Yeah, that, I mean, it's impossible to miss uh, that. The, that was just, that was inappropriate. <laughs> so, funny thing about that, actually, I read another interview with one of the developers where it was worse than that. Really? This game was, yeah, they had to tone it back. They were, someone was playing through and like, I think they said it was three side missions in a row. <laughs> it was just overt sexual innuendo. And someone actually, I think, wrote an article about it relating it to Cranker? Was that a Conquer place or Conquer? Which is which is also from Rare, so it's from the same people. Ah, okay. So Conquer was like Banjo Kazooie, kind of the same playstyle, but it was a more lewd game with swearing and sexual. Yeah. Did they want to make this game like full of sexual innuendo, or was like there's just one person on it that just like needed to get laid? No, I I think they just wanted to. I think they just wanted to walk a fine line where it could be a little bit more fun for everyone. And I think it fits even just the gameplay like we were talking about where it can be very easy if you just want to play through it. But it can be very difficult if you want to, I guess, embrace it, if that makes sense. I mean, but clearly, like, the sexual innuendos, for the most part. (laughs) No more wine for you. The sexual innuendo parts, for the most part, are pretty easy to miss, even as adults. Like, you did not catch the reference of Trouser Snake. I feel like I got the other ones, though. Well, this one was pretty blatant. You become a plant. And they specifically tell you, hey, why don't you pollinate my other sisters? <laughs> and if you spray it at them, they're like, ooh, it's too early for that. And they tell you to fondle their petals. Like, that one obviously is a little more on the yeah. nose. But as a kid, you wouldn't get it. You would just think you're a plant. Like, It's you the same with, that. like, TV shows, though. Because yeah. we're watching Home Improvement right now. Growing up, I did not get that they were just, like, doing it all the time in his car and stuff. Like, so, I mean, like, yeah, I get it, but. <laughs> in his car. <laughs> I. <laughs> Why are you thinking this is so funny? Because you said doing it in his car. <laughs> anyway, I am really curious. What was your favorite level? So there was, and by the way, I googled this. So who knows if Google is right? But these are the names of the levels. So we have the Tribal Stack Tropics, which is the first one. The Glitter Gaze Glacier. That's a mouthful right there. That's the second one. The Moody Maze Marsh, Capital Casino, and the Galleon Galaxy. And of course, the Hyvery Towers is the in-between for all of them. So what was your favorite? Well, you are you are right. It's Capital Cash Casino. Oh. Casino. Okay. Uh, yeah. Nice. It was a play thanks, on words thanks. there. <laughs> I, I want to answer this one first, mostly because I want to give us a quick break because you said it's a mouthful, and I really wanted to go with an innuendo there, because that's too easy. That's my wife. <laughs> yeah, but she still said that's a mouthful right there, and I wanted to go with a that's what she said joke, but we're not that low brown. I just immediately think of The Office. That's what she said. I, yeah, exactly. Anyways, so I would say my favorite level in this game 
I think it was actually just the first world. I think the first world was the most dynamic because that's where Nimbo was. And you could activate him where he would turn the world like icy. He would turn it rainy or dry. So it was actually very diverse and you could kind of control what you wanted it to be. So I thought that was really cool. I actually got to agree with you too, because I hate ice levels. I always find them very obnoxious. I Uh, think the honey was a cool touch though. So you have to... Yeah. I mean, it had some kind of interesting mechanics with it, but I I liked Moody Marsh Maze or Moody Maze Marsh. I liked that one because it became super easy when you had the flying ability because majority of those puzzles are just some sort of platforming and you just could skip all of them. But the last two levels I thought were specifically the fourth one, the Capital Casino, hated that level. I, I don't know. So whenever you do like a casino level, there's a fine line between being fun and really repetitive. And this level really crossed the repetitive line. Because you're just playing a lot of slot machines that aren't really interesting. You're playing just like pachinko machines. I think that's what they're called, where the balls just drop and you collect them in a bucket. Like, there's no... Plinko? Plinko, that's it. Yeah, like, there's no skill involved. And you're not collecting pages anymore. You're just collecting coins. So normally when you do a challenge, you get a pagey. But in this one, it's like, hey... You get coins, but you don't even get enough coins to get a pagey. You get about half of it. So you do a challenge and you just get half of a pagey. So, of course, this level's filled with these random games and they just none of them are fun. Which there is one thing in the Kashino. Did I say that right? Kashino <laughs> level that. Kishino. Yeah, there's one thing in the Kashino level that I thought was in the fifth level. So. There was one thing that you could do, and you had to break glass, and then there was something that looked like glass on the fifth level, but it turned out to be a barrier that, like, took away your butterflies that affected your health. Force field. That's the word. <laughs> but for me, like, it looked like the glass, and I was confused, but I, I definitely thought that the fourth and fifth were an afterthought, and I definitely thought that the first one, it was... It was an open world, but there's a lot to it, and I... Especially looking at the galaxy, I thought it was just a bunch of random like splotches that there's like one thing to do versus the tropics where there are so many pages and so many quills and so much to do. I just, I felt like they just like kind of rushed it. Yeah. The fifth, I agree with you. Like the fifth world had a cool idea because it's called galleon galaxy. So it's kind of a mixture between like an ocean and galaxy. So it's kind of a cool idea, but like you're saying, it is just really open and it's kind of empty there really isn't much to do. Like They like ran out of time or yeah. ran out of money. One that, of those two. Yeah, I kind of got that vibe too. Well, I did mention this game took like four years longer to come out, I think, than what people wanted it to, for one thing. I will, well, I'll agree with you on that one. I think the fourth world was an intentional way for them to just be like, hey, this is a way to keep playing the game and keep doing challenges. Because at that point, you didn't need the quills, you didn't need the pages, other than really just to collect them i guess so it was just a bunch of challenges and i'm not saying a lot of those challenges were fun i agree with you andrew but i think that's what they were trying to do with it well you can't redo the challenges it's not like you can keep playing the same slot machine and getting coins but that's why i think your your currency kind of goes in half like let's double the challenges to give you the same amount of pages even if i get what you're saying you can't replay them at the very least it gives you more to do just for no reason but i thought it was like a, i thought it was a weird vibe though like so when you go in between the different things to get the pages or get the quills there are the typical enemies that you find in all the other ones but it's such a big space like the the hallways and stuff that it just you could easily avoid them or easily kill them and so for me it's just like the enemies were there just to be there 
Yeah, they were more of a nuisance. Exactly. Like, I was like, okay, like, I can kill this guy, go into something, and then they respawn. And it's like, it takes me two seconds to kill them. So for me, I just, like, I thought it was just kind of like a weird... I don't know. I just don't... I don't like the way that it was done. It was... It wasn't like the first three where they actually felt like they were supposed to be in the environment. This just felt like they were just put there to be an obstacle because they couldn't think of something else to put in there. Well, one of my biggest complaints about this game, too... If you're a completionist, like, I loved completing Banjo-Kazooie. This game is really hard to kind of complete. So there's a total of 145 pages, 1,010 quills. As, like, Liz kind of mentioned, there's a tonic that kind of gives you a hint if you're kind of near, like, a hidden object. This is why I also really hated the Capital Casino level. Because it doesn't give you any hints if you're near a token. And there's no hints as to where a pagey is. So you could be at a level and you could be missing one pagey. But you have no idea where it is in the level. Like, some games like Mario will give you a little bit of hint, like, oh, maybe help this guy out. This is where the star's located. But in this game, there's no hints at all. So you basically just got to wander around and try to find it. And with Capital Casino, a lot of them are slot machines, and you have no idea what slot machines you've done. So you literally have to keep, like, either keep track of the slot machines you do or redo them all. And hopefully you find the ones that you missed. So it's really hard to complete this game. Which, I don't know why I just thought of this when when you were saying that. But it reminded me in Mario, so there was this particular level where, I guess it wasn't a level, but this particular room where there's a slide and you could jump to slow yourself down so that you could, you could get something or jump off. Oh, Mario 64? Yeah. And then in this, you could not jump while sliding. And I don't know why it bothered me so much, but like there were certain points where you're going down a slide and there's a bunch of quills and stuff, but it just felt like, I don't know, it really bothered me that you couldn't jump while sliding. Did you guys notice that? I like, did. I instinctively but wanted to yeah, jump. For sure. When I when I had the ability to fly down, I'm like, I'm just go back up that slide. Especially with the slides that you need the honey to go to go up. Like I definitely missed that. Like I was I was kinda of disappointed in that. And I don't know why it bothered me so much, but I was just like, Oh, if I was playing Mario, this wouldn't be happening. I mean the sliding kind of bothered me a little bit, especially too with the Capital Cashino level. I felt like there was a ton of slides in that level. And they actually prevented you from flying up them, which so that did kind of bother me a little bit. But another huge reason why I hated that casino level is the boss fight. So every level has a boss fight, and the boss fight for level four is the worst. Because you have to specifically ride Kartos, the minecart guy, which is a whole other segment. His side stuff is pretty awful. But the boss fight in there was so frustrating. But I actually thought some of the boss fights were kind of fun. I'll... Uh, Except for the last boss fight. The last boss fight also really sucked. You said it was super long, right? It was. And the boss fights that I did, I don't even remember how many I did. But I thought that they were kind of like stupidly easy, like kind of insulting. I actually found the Kartos ones because each level that you go to, you run into Kartos, you run into Dr. Puzz, Rextro, which is the arcade game. Oh, the arcade game sucked. I hated the arcade games. I mean, I don't like arcade games in games anyway. I tend to just be like, oh, why do I have to do this? But the cartoons I thought was the funnest. And it was mostly because I was so bad. Like, I would just run into everything. Like, I remember you watching me. (laughs) Oh, that's pretty comical. And just being like, Liz, jump! Jump! (laughs) And I would be, like, trying to excel to get, like, a a gem. But, so for me, like, the boss fights, I thought, were were just kind of... Stupid. I, I keep saying that word, but it just, like, 
it was honestly kind of like insulting to your intelligence a little bit in some of with some of them like the first three i liked world two and world three's boss i thought they were fun but i thought that they were like easy like if i can do it anybody can do it but kartos i thought was just fun because it was like oh no and then like you were like <laughs> or at least i was yelling at myself i don't know about you guys but for me i just thought it was so much more fun than the bosses so I actually only ran into one Kartos, and I didn't fight the level four boss. So I will say, though, I am 99% certain the one Kartos I did run into, I needed to collect like 100 gems, and I did it the first go, and it said you had 104, and it said, oh, I'm sorry, you didn't get enough for this pagey, and I had to do it again, and that kind of bothered me. <laughs> so yeah, Kartos sucked. <laughs> I... I actually had a question for you guys. So one of the things that you have to collect for each level that you do are the ghost riders. Like, what happens when you collect all of them? Is it just, like, a collecting thing? Or, like, does something happen? Because I think for the most, like, for a level, I got, like, four out of five. So funny you say this because Keith actually asked me this question, too. I'm not 100% sure because I was only one or two away before the final boss. But in Banjo-Kazooie, you collect Jinjos. Which were essentially kind of the same thing. They were multicolored. They were like little critters you got. Were they redheaded? <laughs> no. Uh, that's gingers, you dunce. Sorry, everybody. If you're redheaded, we don't hate you. Just Liz. But uh, if you collected all the gingos before the final boss fight, they made the final boss fight a lot easier. I was really hoping you would step up and say to <laughs> See what? Maybe there's going to be a lot of this. Oh my gosh. There's going to be a lot of editing. This is going to be a fun edit. (laughs) Aren't you glad you gave me the reins, Andrew? What were you hoping I would say? Oh no. You said gingers. Gingers. If I collected all the gingers, is that what you're hoping I would say? (laughs) It's 2019. Every redhead is going to be after me now. Maybe I'll start following your Twitter. (laughs) But yeah, in Banjo-Kazooie, if you clicked it on the Jinjos, it actually made the boss weaker. But in this one, I don't... I didn't see any guides saying that's what they did in this one. But maybe it's possible. (laughs) You really keep thinking Jinjos. Oh, jeez. But I really want to go back. I I know that we've already been like on gameplay a lot. But another thing, another bone I wanted to pick are the Rextro arcade games. So at the beginning of the game, it said you could play four-player co-op with this game with some of the arcade games. I mean, if you want to play with, like, friends you hate, possibly. <laughs> I <laughs> I hated the arcade games. I thought they were so boring and so long. And you had to play them twice to collect all the pages. But and I hated them. The other multiplayer, because you joined my game, and it was useless. It was the dumbest multiplayer ever encountered you were b and you could only collect quills and you joined in when i was about to do a boss and you could do nothing and i was like what's the point of you even being there like you're just gonna go around collect quills as a b like it was just like don't have it at all yeah the co-op in the main story game i thought it'd be fun like i thought you were maybe gonna play yuka and i was gonna play Laylee. nope you play ukulele and i play what's known as the b team b-e-e team get it the pun there but yeah, you're literally a swarm of bees and you just collect quills. 
But I think you had a good kind of explanation of this, Keith. Well, so I didn't actually play it, so I don't know if it's a good explanation. Yeah, but I thought it but made sense. Because you can do it online, but, right? You can just do it with people Yeah, there. only couch co-op. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, it's only couch co-op. But the way you explained it to me, it sounds like it's a way, if you've got a younger sibling or just a young kid and you want to be able to play the game yourself, but hand them a controller and let them do something, you let them be the bees. Because most, I mean, a lot of younger kids won't notice it and... Yeah, you just put a controller in their hand, and if they're old enough to actually notice something happening or not, they're going to be a lot more intrigued. So I just feel like that's what it was. Coming from a younger sibling, I can I can appreciate this. But all that to say, we have been talking about gameplay far, far, far too much. So we're going to lightning around the rest of this game, because I don't think there's a lot to talk about most of it. So graphics, they exist. Graphics are right? okay. The environments I thought were kind of nice. It, it honestly reminded me of a lot of a Nintendo 64 game. That's why I'm surprised there was loading in this game. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. So the graphics to me is just meh. No, I completely agree with Andrew. I think that, I mean, it was fun. And at first I liked the open world and I loved looking around and stuff. But it just, I don't know. It was, it was good. I just, it reminded me of Nintendo 64. But I don't know. I liked it. See, I hate that you said that, because there is one of the tonics that you can unlock, and I think it was only one you could get from the Kickstarter, but your game will be N64 oh, yeah. or 64-bit graphics. It's it's a really cool Easter egg, but I think you had to pay for it, and if you want to pay for it now, it's stupid expensive. Um, but yeah, you actually can do that. But that being said, yeah, the graphics, they exist. I, I actually think the environments were the coolest part about it, but largely... I don't know. Nothing was too grand. It was just bright and colorful, and there was a lot to collect, so I had a lot of fun with it. Which then leads us into the music, which I don't know about you guys. I actually did it this week. I didn't listen to all of it, but I listened to most of the soundtrack of this game. It's not that bad. I thought it was good for, like, because obviously, like, I was at home with our daughter, and who's a newborn, and I thought it was perfect background. Like, I thought it was great for her, uh- <laughs> not for me. Uh, Liz made me end up hating the music because uh, she would leave the main title screen on and it just kept playing the song over and over and over again. I, I actually remember. went over and turned the Xbox off because no. I'm like, please turn this off. I remember you were about to edit and you were like, okay, enough of this. And you were so sassy about it. And I was just like, why don't you just turn it off? Like I, I did turn it off. No, but like I wasn't playing it. And I was just like, oh, like I didn't realize it was bothering you. I feel like that's like a... a like well, it's a, a non-ending repeating song. But I think it's like a thing that like a woman would do. Like let it build and build and build and then be like, why don't you turn it off? So I thought it was weird. I was like, oh, I'm surprised that you didn't just turn it off like two hours ago. But overall, I think the music's okay. It, it does well with kind of like the different worlds you go to, but... Yeah, I actually, I didn't notice it a lot in game. And that's honestly why I went and just looked at the soundtrack. But I found it and I just kind of put it on at work. And it's just nice background music. As long as, to your point, you're not listening to it. Although I will say, maybe it was just the order. Some of the music is a little bit weird and kind of gets like techno-y. But uh, largely, I think it's pretty good music. So yeah, I don't know. I thought the music was really fun. I liked it. And yeah, I did listen to it work. Like I said, it, it was very relaxing. Nothing better to listen to. Care about you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's a story for another day and not for this podcast. But... I guess the last thing that really leaves us with, and Andrew kind of already said it, is achievements, which this game is 
kind of disappointing. I, I will achieve. Yeah, I achievements are kind of a weird thing in this game because if you're a completionist, I think it's actually pretty reasonable to actually get all of them, but it's not all that good if you just want to play through the game one time and call it a day. I, I can't imagine if you like missed one quill, for instance, and you were just like one quill away. Well, the nice thing is like you can at least see with each level like what you're missing. So you can at least kind of eliminate to what area the quill might be in. But like I said, with like the Cashino, you don't know what machines you missed. So it's kind of hard to really complete this game. I just, I think I saw that I put in like 20 hours or something, which for me, like I get like, I mean, I get focused on like stupid things. So for me, like I think the normal person wouldn't take that long to get to as far as I was. But for me, it's just like, I think I thought I had like 350 or something. And for 20 hours, I'm just like, that's ridiculous i feel like for everything that you get it's like 20 points here 20 points there even for like the the harder ones so for me i just i don't think it's worth it if you're someone like me well no i it's funny actually i have 350 gamer score as well in this i have 20 achievements out of i think 35 liz you have 19 where am i at oh so i'm wrong about my number but still like you're you're over halfway well, but that's the weird thing about this is, so it's kind of like the way the achievements end up working, it actually ends up ramping up the more you collect. Andrew has 27 achievements and it's 620. Booyah! So he got, the, he got like two big ones. No way you beat me this month. That's it. Yeah, 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 whatever. But yeah, I think one of my favorite things about this game, though, as far as achievements is because I did get a lot of them, and I think we all did, is they all have just a lot of really fun names to them. I think probably my favorite one is the When I'm 64, which I know you hated Retro- Retro's Arcade, but it's just a fun Beatles reference. My parents used to listen to that song a lot when I was a kid. I like a so. license to quill. <laughs> yeah, so there's, a, I don't know, there's a lot of really good ones. I don't know, Liz, was there any in particular you liked? Or Not really. I mean, I just, I noticed them popping up, but I didn't actually look at them. But that reminds me, you really like the Beatles, though, don't you? Yeah. I'm surprised doesn't you not like the Beatles, Liz? I mean, they're okay. I like the Beatles. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not a huge Beatles fan. I like some of their songs, but I don't think they're, you know. But yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I it's all the to be a completionist, it exists. You can do it. It's just I don't know. It's it's twenty plus hours, and it's really if you want to put that much time into it. But I think that really wraps up everything about the game. I would say so. I guess as far as our final thoughts, Liz, you can go last. Yes, Andrew, you start. Uh, so actually, like, talking about this game more, I think I've just lowered my score. <laughs> I actually think I'm going to give this game a 75. Okay. It, it's I had fun with it, but I agree, like, I, by the end of it, I was kind of getting a little bored with it, and I was like, all right, I'm ready for this to end. A lot of the challenges weren't that unique. Like, there wasn't anything that was like, ooh, that was a fun challenge. That, I want to, I would do that again to get that pagey. I really hated the Rexos arcades. Like, none of them I thought were fun. The co-op is garbage. <laughs> So, yeah, for me, I think I'd give this game a 75. It, it did remind me a good amount of Banjo-Kazooie. Just, there just wasn't anything that really kind of drew me to it. So I would say, as far as the score, I still think I'm going to stick with my 80. I still think this is a really good game. I think it's a lot of fun. We've rambled a lot about this game. There's there's some weak points in the repetitiveness. I will agree with you, Andrew. But, yeah, I would I would say a solid 80 for this game. And I stand by that. I think I'm going to keep with my original thought, even though I'm like Andrew and I'm like, I feel like I should lower it. But yeah, I'm going to give it an 80 as well. And comparing it to the Metacritic scores, um, we're actually a little bit high. 
at least for the Xbox. So usually I talk about the users, but for me, I was really surprised by the critics. And usually critics, I mean, I feel like 60 and above is normal, but they kind of went to town on this game. So for instance, for the Xbox Metacritic, uh, 73 for critics, 5.6 for users. And one critic gave it a 20, which blew my mind. And he said, or she said, a game at a time, clinging so desperately to past glories, it doesn't seem to understand the earth kept spinning after the N64 was discontinued. It's everything wrong about the formative years of 3D platforming, and it somehow retained none of what made the genre's highlights endure. And then PS4 68 and 6.2, Switch 75 and 7.6, PC 73 and 6.5. So Xbox was the lowest, but another critic said would fit right into the late 90s with its vague puzzles. I think it's pronounced Waka Waka voices <laughs> and confusing levels. And there was one person, I think, who went to every single platform and compared it to Banjo Kazooie and gave it a zero. <laughs> so for me, yeah, I just. I mean, I feel like a lot of people were comparing it to N64. And this game really did make me just want to play uh, the Switch's Mario Odyssey, which I think is way ahead of this game. So I kind of agree with them. But yeah, I'm going to give it an 80 because just for playability. And at the beginning, I thought it was a lot of fun. <clears throat> so I would definitely say that it should wrap this up for us. And I think you guys will agree. Yeah, let's finish so... this train wreck. <laughs> So yeah, if you enjoyed listening to this somehow, I guess you can like or comment somewhere wherever you're listening to this. Only if you liked it. it, it even if you didn't, go back and listen to some of our other episodes because I promise they're not this bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, if you, especially if you agree, if you've got comments, you can find us on Facebook at Game Pass Grab Bag. You can follow us on Twitter at GPGBPod. And you can send us an email at gamepassgrabbag at gmail.com. And we'll we'll respond because nothing better to do. We just want people to like <laughs> us. Yeah. We it's not like we have jobs or anything. <laughs> this is what we do for a living. That's not true. Please like us. I wish it was true. <laughs> so so that's gonna do it for us for this week's episode of Game Pass Grab Bag. Thank you all for listening to this. So for this episode and probably the last one, I have been your host, Keith. You can follow me on all the places that you can find me on previous episodes. Andrew? I have been your usual hardcore gamer host, but I guess that's this episode because Keith wanted to take over. But I have been Andrew. You can follow me on Xbox Live at Firebird01952. Uh, I'm also on Twitter with the same handle, but I don't really stick with my Twitter that much. But hey, you can come say hi. And I'm Liz Noob, gamertag come on um Dean. And I'm on Twitter at Liz Noob. Noob is E W. And make sure you write to Keith and tell him what a great job he did and maybe he'll do it again in the future. No. <laughs> oh, thanks, Liz. I appreciate it. I'm being that. nice to you. This is so weird. <laughs> well, good night, everybody. It's been real and it's been fun, but it hasn't been real fun. <laughs>